The job. The stress. We are, there is an active shooter working at Douglas. Multiple gunshots are being fired. Politics. Politics. Pressure. Pressure. Get out of here. We got a guy with a long rifle. We don't know where the hell he's at. Fear. Survival. Control 765, I need the radio for a minute. Be advised, we are taking fire from a very high floor. We believe it's possibly coming from the Mandalay Bay. And we get it. And we have to do better. The truth behind the badge. Presented by the Team South Florida Law Enforcement Charity. On this Tuesday night, March 31st, this is Rich with Team South Florida. We have another podcast, and I am lucky once again to have some awesome guests with me. So tonight, I have John from New Hampshire, and I have Lou from New Jersey. Gentlemen, if you don't mind introducing yourselves real quick, and again, I appreciate you taking the time to spend with us. John? Uh, I thank you, uh, Rich, for, for, having, for talking to us. Uh, my name is John Woodworth. I work in Lancaster, New Hampshire, a small department of seven full-time sworn officers, and we have a handful of part-time officers that help us as well. So thank you again for uh, speaking with us tonight. Thank you. And Lou? How you doing? My name's Lou Vasquez. I'm on the Fairlawn Police Department out here in Bergen County, New Jersey. Um, we're an agency of 60 sworn law enforcement officers, and uh, thank you so much for having, uh, having us, Rich. My pleasure, and thank you guys again for taking the time. So this was kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing, but we've had a couple of people ask questions and comes up in conversation during our normal everyday work, and people want to know how this whole pandemic is affecting us and impacting us as law enforcement officers, as people in general. So earlier today on our Instagram page, I put out a couple of questions, uh, the opportunity to ask questions, and we ended up getting quite a few questions back. So I'm just going to cut right to the chase, and we'll just go, whoever wants to answer, feel free to jump right ahead. The first question we got was, are you scared to contact people right now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure, I'll go. You go ahead, Lou. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm scared. I mean, I'm scared in the sense that, you know, my biggest fear is obviously getting it, but, you know, passing it along to, to my family or my, my friends. And, you know, even though we're in quarantine, you know, we're, you know, we're essential personnel, so we're out there. So my thing would be bringing it home, you know, and, you know, I, for me personally, you know, I, I take care of my grandparents. I take care of my mother who actually has tested positive. She's been sick for over two weeks now. And uh, my father, who's in the hospital on, on a ventilator. So, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, definitely scared. Well, to say the least, this hits close for you then and our, our continued prayers are with your, you and your family. Appreciate that. Absolutely. Absolutely, Lou. Uh, scared, yeah. Um, definitely hesitant. I know in our agency up here in New Hampshire, we've, uh, we've actually locked the lobby door to the PD. Uh, we have a call box out front if somebody needs to make a report. Uh, they can use the call box and speak to an officer via the phone. We are really doing everything we can to limit face-to-face -face contacts with the public right now for obvious reasons. And especially like Lou said is, you know, I don't want to catch it. I certainly don't want to bring it home to my, to my family at all. So we are taking all the precautions that we can not to contract it. 
Lou, are you guys doing the same thing as people can, can they walk into the police lobby? No. So, um, we have it where you have to ring the front doorbell and luckily our, we have like an intercom system and, um, we screen it right then and there. And right now our, our, actually the whole borough is closed to the public. So anything that can be done, we do it either online, um, or via phone call. But unless it's something like, uh, like a serious, like a domestic violence or something like that, then, you know, we're, we're screening people before we even let them in the building. And it's very rare. If you got into the building, it's, it's probably something really bad happened. Right. And, and down here with South Florida, I typically don't mention the agency where I work for because there's no affiliation, but I'll tell you with us, we're pretty similar. Uh, people can still come to the police department, to the lobby, but we avoid face-to-face contact whenever possible. Same thing. We're doing a, a lot of online reporting calls via phone and we respond if we have to respond. This is part of being essential personnel and some of the risks that we are forced to take, really. Uh, the next question was, are people staying inside or at home where you work? Uh, John, how about up in New Hampshire where you're at? Are, are people staying home for the most part? Actually, actually yes. Uh, I mean, the, the town that, that I work in is about a little over 3,000 people. And, you know, we have a pretty busy downtown area typically, especially this time of year when it's starting to warm up, the snow is melting. And uh, right now you go out six, seven o'clock and it's a ghost town. There, there's nobody out there. Everybody's doing their part to stay in. It seems like. I'm sorry. Did you say snow? <laughs> I did. It's, it's almost gone. We still have some I knew he said snow, snow banks left. <laughs> <laughs> we don't come out when it snows. Forget, forget the COVID. We don't come out when it snows. It was a little warm over yeah. here today. It was 90 degrees. So forgive me. Oof. We hit 50. It was, it, was, it was a heat wave. We hit 50 today. How about where you work, Lou? Are people staying home? Or you staying know, in? Um, so Fairlawn, we have a population of thir- around 33,000 people. And I'd say the majority of people are staying in. But it really, it, it, it really frustrates me, you know, because we, uh, we actually um, changed our schedule up. We used to do four on, four off. And our administration, we got together and uh, determined that two on, four off would be more beneficial. But so on the two days that I am on um, and interacting with the public, um, yeah, there's not much traffic on the road, but people are still gathering in groups. You know, you go to the local parks where we've actually roped off, our DPW roped off the equipment where you can't, you know, the kids can't go on the equipment and gather around, but you still have people gathering around, you know, uh, forming small groups. And, you know, we just remind them when we go by, like, hey, six feet, just go home, you know, like. Let's flatten this curve. Yeah, well, that's it's definitely concerning and disappointing because I know I looked at the CDC's website before this, and you guys had what roughly eighteen thousand cases. Eighteen, yeah, I can tell you right now, actually. So, yeah, positive cases. We're up to eighteen thousand six hundred and ninety-six cases in New Jersey. We've had two hundred and sixty-seven deaths, um, and we have twenty-seven thousand people test negative. In our county alone, Bergen County, we've had 2,900, a little over 2,900 test positive, just in our county alone. Yeah, people need to stay inside. That's what it comes down to. Absolutely. The, uh, the follow-up question was, are your coworkers sick and or, and obviously we're not going to discuss names or anything like that, but how do you prevent the whole agency from getting sick? Does it worry you? John, this question to me 
would be an even bigger concern for you at such a small agency. You have less than 10 sworn personnel. So it really could. Yeah. yeah, It very well could. Um, You know, we have three cruisers for our whole department. We share them. You know, we don't have take home cruisers. Uh, So, you know, the chief, right when this all kicked off, very proactive, went out, you know, uh, the Lysol wipes, uh, sanitizer wipes, sanitizer foams, you know, stocked up on on rubber gloves. So we take the precautions that we can, but if somebody's going to get sick, it's going to spread and there's just nothing we can do about it. Well, I'm pleased to hear what you just said a minute ago, because there's other agencies out there that they have not had the luxury and maybe it has to do with being such a smaller agency, but it's nice to hear you say that your chief or administration was prepared and and proactive because there are agencies out there. We recently heard from some from NYPD. We heard from somebody from Detroit. I mean, there's officers out there buying their own equipment, buying their own gear, buying their own protective equipment because they're not getting supplied with it at all. How was it by you in in New Jersey, Lou? Um, we actually, when this started first going on, uh, the early, you know, when we first heard about this thing coming and and stuff like that, um, our administration, um, was very proactive. Uh, we took a different approach to it. Um, I know personally our chief, you know, he takes advice from the health department, uh, from the officials and and over here, at least the health department kind of rules the day as far as, you know, what we do for, um, uh, quarantine, what we do for our policy and procedure. Um, but I got to tell you, in, in Bergen County, uh, we've had some great results, especially in Fairlawn, where we've had um, basically our chiefs come together and they discuss what the best options are. And the majority of the chiefs said, listen, whatever you're doing schedule-wise to try to minimize exposure, um, try to do like like we did. So we, we altered our schedule, four on, four off, and now we're doing two on, four off. and and some of the meaning behind that was to, you could be home more with your family, less exposure. It kind of fits in. So we're actually working less hours. Um, and again, the benefit is we're being home more with our families. We're quarantining and God forbid we are exposed at work and we have, you know, thank God we have, we had a mass shortage recently, but uh, thanks to some generous donors, we've had more N95 masks come in. Um, we have the gloves. You know, uh, there's a company called GTBM. Uh, the owner's name's Rich. Amazing guy. So this guy ends up getting this antiseptic <clears throat> that you apply it with. Believe it or not, I can send you a video of it. He applies it with, you know, like those uh, backpack leaf blowers? Well, this one's designed to shoot, like, it's supposed to be pesticides, I guess, and stuff like that for grass. But you put this antiseptic in it, which basically kills the you know, human coronavirus, H1N1, I mean, like AIDS, HIV, any, you know what I mean? All these diseases and it kills it pretty much on contact. Um, and they have an application where they just spray it on the door handles, spray it in the interior. You can even spray it in yourself. It's non-toxic in the sense that it won't harm you. Um, and he started doing that for a few agencies and then word spread. Then you got troopers going there. You got surrounding agencies. So, so now my, my agency actually bought two of these backpack blowers. So that's how proactive they are. And before every shift, since we have two shifts, and it's another thing we did, we actually pulled every single detective, every single special services unit, and we created two new shifts. That allows us to have this two on, four off. 
So, you know, everybody's going outside of our contract right now to deal with this pandemic. And, you know, thank God we got the cars being disinfected. We have, um, you know, Lysol wipes that the, they provide us to wipe the cars down as well. Um, it, sounds like you, it sounds like you guys are being creative and open-minded. That's what it sounds like. We are, we are. Don't get me wrong. We got a few that, you know, um, are like, oh, this is against our contract. This is against this. And, of course, you have people that have their own ideas, which I could respect. But, you know, at the end of the You're day. You're always going to have that. Yeah, yeah. It's a, and it's crazy. But at the end of the day, at least we have an administration that's actually doing something for us. And we have a borough that's, you know, basically saying, here's our checkbook, whatever we have to do to make it better for our, our BMS, our fire, our police. And I, I like to hear that the agencies are talking with each other, the chiefs are speaking with each other, things like that. It's always it's always positive to share experiences and ideas. Um, Absolutely. You, you yeah. Uh, if I if I can touch on that a little more, Rich, sure, for at least up here in the in the, in the smaller communities, every every morning, the the police chiefs, the fire chiefs, the EMS chiefs, the town managers, everybody's getting together 6 a.m. every morning, and they're just talking and planning and, and you know they're very proactive and like i said earlier luckily we don't have any cases up here in my county but if that were to happen you know the hospital that's in my town has a tent outside set up we've got supplies it's 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 proactive and we don't have a lot of money to spend and being way up here in the north country you know, we're kind of out of sight out of mind for a lot of the larger federal agencies as well one wow. of the one of the questions i had uh, i kind of know the answer to it but it's different for a lot of us that are not used to it just from prior experience. I know this to be the case with medical calls. Uh, John, I think probably similar for you, but Lou, especially you guys are responding to most of these medical calls. It's not like you're holding short waiting for an ambulance, right? Correct. Well, you know, I got it. Yes. Yeah. And I know, I know we definitely discussed this before um, in regards to, you know, how we respond to medical calls versus like maybe like Florida where, Unless I guess, right, if it's really like a life-threatening thing, you guys aren't really going either, right? EMS would respond or fire EMS, whatever it is. It really depends. They'll have a medical call and the fire department will go by themselves unless there's a hazard, an alert, or it's not a quote-unquote safe situation. Yeah. Yeah, so for us, it's the total opposite. So for us, we're first responders. We're in the sense that, you know, um, for a call for service, no matter what it is, whether it's a, you know, and this is what I always hated about it, but I guess I, I get it. This is how we've been brought up. Is that like, hey, even if a person calls and they don't feel good or they have a headache or they have this, we're the first one on scene, no matter what. Um, so, so Lou, can I, can I ask a question? Are you, you're first on scene. Are you first in the house? First in the house. We're first. Yeah. So we have Tyvek suits in the cars. We have uh, masks. We have goggles. We pretty much have a whole setup if we have to go, if we have to go into these houses. So luckily, luckily, and this is where the lucky part comes in, is that um, our ambulance corps has really been stepping up to the plate um, in the last three weeks, two weeks, actually, two weeks. They've taken over 100 calls, COVID cases itself. Um, their response time has been less than five minutes. I mean, it really hasn't been much at all. What, what is so the ambulance corps? Is it like volunteer? Volunteer, yeah. Okay. So they've really been stepping and, up. And for us up here, up in New Hampshire, what we're doing is we're responding to every 911 medical call, but the officer is staging. We're sta staging outside. The ambulance is very quick, like you guys, 
Uh, they're going in first. They have the, the PPE that they, they go in. And if it's something that requires us inside the residence, you know, we're going to go in. Uh, but if we don't need to, if it's just a, for lack of a better way, putting in a standard medical call, you are not going to even see the patient. You know, the ambulance will deal with that and take them to the hospital as needed. That's exactly how we're operating, John. Exactly how we're operating. I can tell you that I've been in a yeah. house three times yeah. since this happened where I had to suit up. One uh, was, a, was a DOA, um, and one of the people in the house had symptoms. So that was one time. The, the second time I suited up um, was when my father uh, had to go to the hospital. That uh, was my call. Yeah. And, um, oh, that's even worse. Oh, it's, uh, I did, you know, they brought him outside and I, I helped carry him down the stairs, but that's, that's the extent of what, what happened, you know, but still nonetheless, right. um, but yeah, we're doing the same protocol. One of the questions we got was how do you keep your family safe and still go to work? Was your agency prepared? I guess in Lou, Lou your respect, you, uh, you're, you're changing your schedule and you guys are thinking outside the box as one of the ways you keep your family safe. I think we're all sure. taking personal precautions, but I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, for me, I'll, I'll tell you, um, if I, I'm going to, it's tough for me because I have an 18 year old daughter that lives at home, but she works at Subway. So she goes to work and it's, it's scary because, you know, people come in, they get their sandwiches, they leave. Of course, they're taking the precautions at Subway even more so over with, you know, gloves and washing and doing what they can. Um, uh, but it's obviously I'm very concerned for my daughter. Uh, my wife works for the state of New Hampshire, so she's essential, but she's able to work from home. So that's a good thing. She's basically been home for over two weeks. Uh, she recently, just when this all kicked off, traveled to Georgia for a sick family member. So her job told her that you can't come back in for two weeks, but she's been able to work from home. So. Go ahead, Lou. Were you going to say something there? Yeah, no, I mean, for me, taking the precautions to come home. Um, in fact, we just literally, I, you know, I just got an email this afternoon. This is my day two off that we did two things. Um, we, of course, you know, admin stuff, but we had a uniform change policy where, you know, we go to short sleeves now, April 1st. But we just made it where if guys want to just wear long or short, it doesn't matter because some guys prefer to wear the long sleeve to maybe minimize exposure to take home, you know, uh, anything coming on their hands. Some people get cuts and stuff, but so that was cool. That was a plus on my, my admin. Um, and then secondly, we just altered our schedule again to come in a half hour early to not to prevent cross contamination uh, with the next shift that's leaving and coming out. So as long as you guys can do it, because I know certain people have childcare situations and things of that, but yeah. I'm, I'm assuming you guys are open-minded with everything flexible. Yeah. We, you know what? We have been pretty flexible and everybody knows this is outside the norm and you know, we are violating a lot of things on our contract. You know how I am with the contract, but uh, you know, we're kind of jotting it down and you know, we realize that we're doing it to minimize exposure and minimize our chances of getting it. And most importantly, it is, it is stressful to, to go back to your first question. Are you scared? Um, scared? Yeah. But stress, the stress has been like overwhelming, you know, especially when you start going to these calls and I know John can relate, you know, you're a smaller town and you really got no cases. Thank God in your County, but like 
you know, you know everybody up there. And like, same thing, I'm responding to calls. You know, we're going at a minimum to five to eight COVID calls a shift. Wow. And see, that should, you put, know it into per- that should put it into perspective for some people, though, that, you know, here we have one police officer for one police department, and you're going to multiple calls with the, yeah, I mean, that, that speaks for itself. Yeah, and you know these people from town, you know, from growing up. You know, like I said, I've, I've been in Fairlawn for 16 years, and you know everybody. And to see these people getting sicker and sicker, and, and half of them going on ventilators of the calls that you go on, it's, then you're like, oh my God. You know, I have like a, I have like a ritual when I go out. I, I literally do. When I go out, if I have to get food or whatever, I have the antiseptic spray in my car. So like I'm spraying myself before I get out. I'm doing the Purell thing. I'm getting what I got to get. I'm getting back to my car. I'm spraying stuff like the bags that I have with this antiseptic spray that I have. Like I bought like a, a $2 spray bottle, like hairstylist used, filled with this spray. You know, I get home. I'm literally wiping everything down with a, a disinfecting cloth. And, you know, again, because, you know, when you think about it, the, 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 the stuff that we have, 2,900 positive tests. One of our test centers are right down the road, you know. And it's just like, oh, my God. It's like you don't want to get this stuff. So, yeah, there's like a little ritual that goes on. No shoes come in the house. Like, it's just it's, – it's, Yeah, I get it. And especially for those of us crazy. with families and kids. Uh, this was a kind of a foolish question, but it was comical at the same time. Are the <laughs> troopers working? I can tell you that I confirmed <laughs> – I confirmed – not with, wearing their hats. <laughs> with several of our Florida Highway Patrol troopers, they are, in fact, working. And one of them was kind enough to send me a picture of a speeding ticket. I forgot what it was. I, I, I want to say they were somebody was traveling <laughs> 117 or 120 miles per hour on the highway. Uh, wow. uh, they, are, they are absolutely working. Uh, I assume it's the same thing in New Jersey and New Hampshire, gentlemen. Yeah, you know, in New uh, Hampshire, uh, yeah, they're, they're still working. In fact, the, <laughs> the change that our troopers have done is they're, they're, they're out of their regular polyester uniforms and they're, they're all in BDUs. So that's one thing the troopers have changed is just the uniform that they're wearing. So for Jersey troopers, I mean, our troopers are the best troopers. I love our troopers, but um, <laughs> we, don't, we don't have those hats. We don't have those, those uh, campaign, hats. campaign but, covers. Um, no. So no, our troopers have been outstanding. You know, um, they'll either assist surrounding towns. Um, they're kind of doing the same suit that we're doing, you know, basically just, you know, they're going, they're, they're still visible, put it this way. They're still visible. Um, they're still willing to do their job, but I think they're taking the approach that we're taking where, you know, hey, I know they're definitely probably going into higher crime areas. So they're more visible uh, shopping areas where people are gathering. And, you know, obviously there's lines out the door by the time it opens, there's like 50 people in all these shopping areas. So, you know, they're still very visible. So yes, they're working. John, one of the things uh, I'll take the opportunity now to speak on actually, uh, how, how well do you guys work with your troopers? They're pretty much essential up there, aren't they? You guys have a great relationship from what I know. Absolutely. Uh, the, the New Hampshire State Police and, and our agencies up here in the North Country, New Hampshire, we work hand in hand. Um, with, with small agencies, you know, at times, you know, my guys, I'll have one guy out and just one guy patrolling our whole town. Um, we're the only 24-hour agency in any direction for 45 minutes. So the troopers are our backup and vice versa. You know, the troopers cover the towns that don't have law enforcement and stuff like that. So we are their backup in those towns. So 
it, we, we absolutely do work very, very well together, much respect. And uh, they're all a great bunch of guys and girls. So that was something crazy to think about and compare when you talk about the size of the police departments. So realistically, a violent domestic call comes out. You could be the only person assigned and you could be waiting for God knows how long for a trooper to back you up. Well, I can uh, touch on that. Uh, uh, back in October, uh, about two o'clock in the morning, uh, I got called by our dispatch that my officer had been assaulted and the guy had taken his gun. And uh, so I'm up and out the door and I'm responding in, in plain clothes to where my officer is. Um, luckily, it was some misinformation, miscommunication. The, the gun was not taken. Uh, but by the time I got on scene, my chief was on scene, and then two state troopers came from home, got up just like I did, got out of bed, and responded as well to assist this officer that had been assaulted by a guy. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Um, luckily, I mean, the officer had him in custody before we all got there. But it was just, you know, one of those situations where he's the only cop on for any, any direction, 45 minutes, his backup is literally me and my chief who are at our, at our homes in bed. So when that call that. came out for, yeah. What a different so type of style. Not, not used to that yeah. here. <laughs> not used to that here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So somebody else chimed in. They said, not a question, but just wanted to thank all of you for putting yourselves out there. That's really nice. We always appreciate it. Thank you. Like that. Uh, thank you, but hey, thanks to our our doctors, our nurses. I mean, Amen. they're the they're the real MVPs in my Absolutely. eyes. Absolutely. Are you enforcing curfews or stay at home safer at home laws? Either one of you? No, <laughs> no. Um, we don't have a curfew right now, and it's you know we, we're not. It's not a shelter in place for New Hampshire. It's a stay at home for non essentials. But if you need to go out to the grocery store laundromat, you know, to run your daily errands, you know, the, the pharmacy, whatever, you can do that. And I'm not going to pull somebody over to find out what, what they're doing. It's just not going to happen. How Damn. much, how much access do you have to masks and gloves? Um, I th we touched on this earlier. We have gloves here in my agency. We don't, we don't have the good N95 masks. We just have your, your standard medical masks. So, but I have plenty. There's more than enough up here of that stuff. Can you please um, go ahead. You're going to answer that Yes. I mean, fortunately, like I said, GTBM, um, a few people that we know in the medical field, um, another uh, modern realty, um, they had access to N95 masks. A few agency, a few people like that donated to our agency, um, got them out to a few of our guys. And then also, I mean, you know how I am, you know, we're actually pretty, pretty good as far as that goes. Um, you know, I even got to donate some to the local hospital, Valley hospital. And then, you know, you hear people that aren't as fortunate in some agencies like you touched on before. And a friend of mine reached out from Maryland. A friend of mine reached out from, um, uh, uh, Arizona and they're like, Hey, you know, we don't have sanitary cloths and they weren't asking for anything. They were just venting. And you know how I am by nature. And we just, you know, I sent them whatever they needed, you know, whatever I had, I, I spared a little bit. Uh, Cause we're all in this together. Absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we're pretty good on the gloves, pretty good on the masks. I mean, for now. All right. Two part question. Are cops being tested regularly for this disease? And if you stay home, 
is your pay affected or are you getting paid more while you're working during this crisis? I'll tell you from Florida, we are not getting tested regularly unless you have signs or you want to be tested. And we are not getting paid anymore. And if you stay home, we're probably a case-by-case basis is the appropriate way to answer it. But most of us are would be taking sick time if, if we're staying home. Either one of you want to chime in or is it the same? I, I got my answer. When I, it's kind of similar, a little off. But John, you, you want to go? Mine kind of similar. Um, we're not getting any extra pay. Being a, a small agency, you know, I mean, we don't have a lot of, of people. You know, if two two people goes out on, you know, for being sick, that that really affects our schedule. You know, so we'd have to really look at something to do and how we're going to do that. Um, if I just decided I wasn't going to come in, I would have to use sick leave, vacation time, or something like that. Uh, but hopefully, none of that has to come to fruition. Right. Hello? Yeah. So basically what our chief did, um, we had a big meeting. It was, it was a chief, every basically captain, every head of their own special services and the SOA and the PBA. And we sat in and we kind of like all discussed it. And basically what it came down to was that, you know, as of right now, you know, like I said, we pulled special services. We we pulled the, the traffic unit, the community policing unit made two extra shifts and what we did was we suspended any and all time going forward if it wasn't put in for already um, to have more manpower on the road. And, um, you know, basically, if you have to call it sick, you call it sick. Or we have something called an EPLD, which is like sick time that you could use for an emergency. Like if your hot water heater broke, you know, you don't have to call in sick. You could use an EPLD day, which essentially is your sick time. Um, and mm-hmm. since we all did since we're working less hours, you know, um, we went from working 48 hours to 24. So we're getting paid the same to stay home for two, 24 less hours. So, uh, the idea behind not having people use their vacation or comp time or personal time that we have, um, or, or comp time. Yeah, we get a lot of time, but, uh, <laughs> not to use any of those times so they do come to work because if you do end up like, let's just say you have to come in an extra shift and work. It's not overtime because you're technically not meeting that 48 hour threshold. You know what I'm saying? Right. So we are working out a contract in that sense, which is, this is the first time in the history of the Fairmont Police Department doing that. But again, I think a lot of my people are mindful <clears throat> with that. So they don't mind doing that. So that's where we altered that. So, uh, but some people, you know, like another guy, a guy today just called me, Hey, I worked a half hour. I put in and I didn't get, I got denied. It's like, well, yeah, because you know, you know, you're working 24 hours. <laughs> it's amazing but sometimes. Geez. It's for another day, I guess. Right. That's right. Yeah. If, uh, here's an interesting one. If someone coughs on you, how come that's not assault battery or terrorism related charge? It is. Yeah, it could be. I mean, you go ahead, Lou, and then I'll I'll give my opinion. Sure. I mean, like, I mean, are we talking the cough, like, in a sense where, like, I pull up on a call and um, Joe Schmo says, hey, uh, I got the COVID. You're not taking me in and starts coughing in my direction on purpose. 
They, they didn't specify, but I would assume based on the questioning, it's, it's probably something intentional, somebody that knows that they have it and they're trying to harm the police officer. Oh yeah, no. If it's if it's like anything else, it's like uh, it's like the same charges, like throwing bodily fluids at us. You know, we'll charge you with that, and you know, most likely you'll take a trip to the hospital to see if you're okay, and um, you know, maybe get a you know get our judge to sign a warrant to have a test done on you, and uh, go from there. Fair enough. Anything to add, John? No, pretty much it. You know, it's all about the intent. If they're just coughing and not deliberately doing something, but like Lou said, you know, if they're, they're trying to avoid being taken into custody and they're going to cough on you, say they got the COVID. Absolutely. It's, it's an assault charge in New Hampshire all day long. Uh, not necessarily part of this, but I'm going to, again, take advantage of having you on here, John, uh, just because you brought up a point when you said intent, my, my mind went elsewhere. It's crazy to me to think about, for example, and I think Lou is probably similar to me, I'll respond to a call, depending on the call. I'll call a sergeant, let them know what's going on. We might call a detective. The detective will follow up. The sergeant from the detective can follow up. Crime seed can come out and process it. I mean, we could have, depending on how complex the call is, multiple people. At an agency like yours, you pretty much, it's your call. You start the call, you finish the call, right? Absolutely. Um, depending on what it is, if it's a homicide that gets turned over to the major crime unit, which is an extension of the attorney general's office, New Hampshire state police. Uh, but you know, with the exception of any type of major crime, you know, if it's an assault, uh, what domestic violence, whatever it is, that officer's there, he, he's taking the person to custody. He's investigating, he's collecting the evidence. He's putting the evidence into the evidence room. You know, uh, he's, he's doing the charges. It's, it's all that officer. It's, it's one, one guy, we don't have detectives in our agency. We don't, you know, take a call and then, oh, well, this is a call for the detectives, a case for the detectives and turn it over to them. It just doesn't happen. We don't have that up here. It's crazy how different it is. Okay, let's see what's left over here. Uh, all right, I got two. One's a positive one and one's a challenging one. Which one should I go with? Let's go positive. <laughs> we know positivity. All right. or, or do you want to end it on a positive note? Yeah, let's end it on a Oh, positive. I like that. That's a good one. Let's we'll end it that. on a positive. All right. <laughs> all right. What is the biggest challenge you all face with everything currently going on? Not getting sick. That's an easy answer. If we're talking the COVID, it's yeah. If we're if we're talking the COVID specifically, it's it's staying healthy. That, that's yeah. the biggest thing right now is and that's that's on the, the forefront of everybody's mind is just staying healthy yep i, yeah. I, I, I think i think for me personally it's how long we're going to stay like this between schools being closed between working with the stress the way it is and again not not getting sick and staying healthy i'm hoping that these local businesses survive it's it's, it's just it's a crazy time that we're in right now that's what comes to my mind with that one. Well, and, and to, to piggyback on that, I think you're going to see a lot of changes come from this. Um, you know, especially seeing how much you could do remotely, seeing how much you could do. Um, and I hope it's for the better. I don't, I hope it's certainly not for the worse, but you know, just everyday things, you know, uh, yeah, if that makes any kind of sense. I, I just think you're going to see a lot of changes. I think well, this... if you, Lou, if you're talking like remote stuff, you know, like, you know, 
the the online crime reporting and stuff like that. Yeah. Just me working in a small town. I'm not a fan of that. You know, I like going out. I like that face to face interaction. Yeah. With with the victim, and and to be fair, and you both know this as well that. You know, those victims of those crimes, they like that face-to-face with that officer. They sure. want to be able to put a, a face to that officer that, you know, is handling the case and and, and yeah. know that they're being taken care of. And just hitting send on an email, that's, that's not satisfactory in some cases, you know? In I my agree opinion. with that. Sure. But, but it, it also, too, what it cut down on a lot was a lot of, like, the quote-unquote BS calls. You know what I mean? Oh, like, absolutely. That's, that's cutting down tremendously, which is great for me. For us, <laughs> so, so I'll ask I'll ask you both this question because I mean I know what we've seen up here yeah. since the the stay at home orders and and all that stuff going on. Have you seen an uptick in domestics? Yes. Yep. No. <laughs> Ab- no. Ab- wow. Lucky. Ab- absolutely. Um, we've got you know what we have now. I mean, at least in our town, thank God they're not they're not really beating each other up. But um, I've gotten a lot more calls of people breaking rules. Like, oh my God, I see this business open that's not supposed to be open. We're kind of responding to those types of things. So domestic. <laughs> we actually, it's funny you mentioned that, Lucas. Yeah. We have a, our, our police department has a Facebook page and, and over the weekend, uh, I'm one of the moderators. So I see the messages that come in from the public when they, they message the page. You know, <laughs> it doesn't pop up on the screen. It comes in via the message. And this guy was complaining that our local grocery store, we, they, he wanted police officers in there to make sure people were staying six feet apart because he didn't feel safe because people, even the employees were getting too close to him. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of like the yeah. similar we got, we get there. And first off, if the public's listening, don't make complaints <laughs> through Facebook or Instagram <laughs> messenger. Call <laughs> <laughs> the desk. <laughs> yeah. We have a, we have an auto message that's set up. If somebody messages the Facebook page, it, automatically replies and says, you know, Hey, thank you for messaging us. However, this isn't checked constantly. If there's an emergency, please call 911 or call, you know, the, the PD line. I got a guy religiously that does that. And every time I tell him, <laughs> listen, we're not taking your parking complaint on Instagram messenger. I think we've seen an, <laughs> an uptick over here in uh, what do they call them by you guys? We call them Baker X here, but the involuntary, the mental holds, what do they call them by you guys? We call them in New Hampshire IEA. It's an involuntary emergency admission. Okay. And what do they call them by you in Jersey, Lou? EDPs. EDPs. I think definitively we've seen, we've seen an uptick in domestics, in the Baker Acts, the mental holds. And uh, just from working this morning, last night, unfortunately, we still have people going through neighborhoods checking for unlocked cars. Oh, we've had that. Yes, yeah, we've had it's, that. It's crazy. Um, and, and, you you're know, never going to get rid of the, the people that want to take advantage of others. No, nah. we had a whole car. We had like two cars one night filled with like five people, and they were going door to door on every car, and they pillaged us for like at six thirty in the morning, no less. Um, you know, and, and and they were using the credit cards that they stole in Newark, uh, down there and stuff like that. So it's like. Man, we everything's on like ring. Everybody has like a ring up here or a nest. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, no, we got them all. See, We're eventually going to get them. I, I can't, them. I can't fathom it. You know, you guys down in those big cities, you know, and you still have people that leave their belongings in their cars. Yeah. I live in a small town, you know, and 
I, you know, I don't leave anything in my car. I don't, in the, you know, my car is not unlocked. I just, I couldn't imagine being in a city your size and leaving my wallet in the car. It just wouldn't happen. I don't know a single police officer that doesn't shake their head when they get dispatched to an auto burglary or break-in and a quote-unquote break-in, and they find out that it was an unlocked car with a laptop, a computer, a firearm, things of value, a wallet, things or, like that. Or their, or their key fob, and they don't right. have any car when they wake up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, they do. And like this one, this one call I went on, it's so crazy, but it's like it's, it's almost like that one time that they did it, you know, because I, I went to a call. I won't need the agency. They happen to be, they work for an agency, not, not ours. And the first time he left his car unlocked, you know, he thought he thought he locked it. And, you know, he had a couple hundred dollars that was tucked up in the visor that he was going to go pay a bill with the next day. And, uh, you know, uh, he just forgot to lock his door and forgot to get in. Like he had so much on his mind, I think probably because of this whole stuff that's going on. All right. Just a couple of minutes. And, I, I want to yeah. shout out from a earlier conversation I want to shout out the supervisors that are canceling some of those quote unquote BS calls that you, uh, you pointed to. Um, fortunate with that. And then the final question was, can you guys please share something positive with everything that's going on? I like how you guys highlight some of the good stuff that we just don't see a lot or hear about. So is there anything that either of you, maybe from the police perspective or personally, something positive you've seen, done, et cetera? Absolutely. Um, John, community you support. Got to expand on that. I'll talk. two words. Community support. <laughs> Give me something. You know, um, <laughs> you know, I drive around, and you work in a small town. You know, you get a handful of people that always wave at the cruiser when the cruiser drives by. I mean, now it's it's all the time. I'm getting thumbs up from people. Like you the know. middle finger wave or a legit wave? <laughs> no, that's a Jersey wave. Good, that's a Jersey wave. <laughs> We do have one guy in town that gives us the double middle finger wave, but that's a different okay. story. Gotcha. Uh, but no, I mean, the, the, the populace overall and, uh, you know, are very positive. They're very supporting of us during this time. You know, you know, if I see somebody out in town, if I, if I happen to stop at a business or something or somewhere, you know, they're all, Hey, thank you guys for what you're doing. We know it's tough. We know it's dangerous and we're happy that you're still out here protecting us during this crazy time. And yeah, I, I I could definitely say the same thing. Um, you know, since this all has happened and taken place, our our the community has been an amazing, amazing show of support. Um, positive messages. Um, we have people calling into local pizza parlors and they're they're ordering food for us, and the the pizza places calling us up saying, "Hey, so and so, I just want to thank you guys and bought you all some pizza. Can you go by and pick it up?" And we'll come by and pick it up. And, and, and that's amazing. I mean, just that little show of gesture. I mean, um, you know, um, even. Didn't you, guys, didn't you guys just recently save somebody's birthday? I think I saw something about that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, yeah, we saw it on social media that this, this uh, little girl, Abby, uh, turning 11 years old. Um, that know, was awesome. You saw that? We just, we just actually, yeah. we had two COVID calls that morning. And right before and I didn't think we were going to make it for 12 o'clock she was outside her house at 12 o'clock and you know 12 o'clock came and luckily we had a little break in between and I you know we got the, the shift to gather up and we went by with our lights on and our PAs and said happy birthday Abby and you know hopefully made her day and uh, she seemed pretty happy but um, but yeah no the show of support has been great um, 
you know, I can tell you this, we were suiting up to go into a home, um, for this, that was, uh, the person was uh, not responding. Um, we were putting our Tyvek suits on outside and it was actually right outside of a bagel store and people of the community that were there waiting their six feet to get their bagels, um, looked over what we were doing and one person pulled out a phone and began to film this. And I kind of looked at them like, come on, really? And then they put it down and, and they all like kind of came near us and they were like, thank you. Thank you. Like, that's crazy. Like I could, I, I, we don't want to do what you're doing. You know, and then I'm like, well, wait till you see what our ambulance does. You know, wait till you see what our doctors do. Wait till you see what our, you know, this is, this is really nothing compared to that. But, but the, 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 the overwhelming support that has been coming and the people being unified. I mean, I'll send you a video, Rich, eight o'clock at night, right by this one hospital in Hackensack, the ambulances are coming in. And at eight o'clock, you could hear people on their balconies cheering for the, for the ambulances pulling in. It's amazing. Absolutely yeah, it amazing. is. Absolutely. And I don't want to say like this because I don't want to compare such a, a horrific day in history, but it's almost like we're unifying again, like nine 11, you know, like people are coming together in a sense. You're, you're not wrong. And I, I get that feeling as well. I mean, I remember nine 11, I was active duty military at the time. So, you know, for me, it was, it really hit home. When, when I watched that happen. Uh, but yeah, the, the feelings almost, I mean, it's not at that level by any stretch, but it, it's like that. You're right, though. I have to agree. It's eerie to hear you say that, but that seems to be the common theme. I mean, I've, I've heard it from quite a few people as well. Um, let's see. I'm going to just uh, we'll wrap this up and I'll give you each of you a minute to just throw in your, your last two cents. Uh, just I just, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that I'm really, really hoping and praying for all of us because when you look at the numbers and you look at certain agencies, and I'm not going to throw the statistics out there, but NYPD, for example, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of officers are out sick right now. Detroit, they said over 500 of them out sick. I mean, it's just, it's scary. And we've already started to see some of our brothers and sisters, um, unfortunately, make the ultimate sacrifice. So with that said, um, I'm, and Lou, your family is obviously in my thoughts and prayers. I can give both of you just a minute to, you know, wrap this up and then I'll, I'll close it off. So uh, Lou, why don't you go ahead if there's anything you want to add? Yeah, no, um, <clears throat> you know, my thoughts are in prayers are with everybody, uh, all the victims of this worldwide, especially here in uh, the States. Um, you know, to all of us, you know, working the front line, our doctors, our nurses, our medical staff, you know, everybody's in my prayers. To the public, please listen to what they're telling you. Listen to what our president's telling you, uh, the CDC, um, your governors. Um, forget about the political stuff. Just listen to what they're telling you to do. Stay inside. Um, let's let's flatten this curve. Let's stay healthy. Let's get home to our families safe and, you know, help us do that. and. Let's do what we got to do to get past this as a nation. Agreed 100%. John? I, I couldn't have said it better, Lou. I hit the nail on the head. Absolutely. Uh, you know, all, all I'm going to add is, is, Lou, I mean, you and your family are in my thoughts. I know we talked uh, about this a couple of days ago. And uh, you're obviously in my, in my family's thoughts and prayers for you guys. So, Thank you, uh, Yeah. All right. In, in closing, one of our traditions is we like to show that we will never forget. And on the night or the days of the podcast, we think of an officer that 
was killed in the line of duty on that day. So today we're honoring uh, on March 31st, 1988, City of Miami police officer Victor Estefan was tragically shot and killed as he approached the vehicle during a traffic stop. This one was kind of crazy. The suspects involved were brothers and subsequently arrested in California. During that arrest in California, they were involved in a shootout with the California Highway Patrol. Both suspects were convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to death. This is where it gets crazy. The Florida Supreme Court ended up overturning their convictions due to not receiving a fair trial. A jury ultimately declared a mistrial on the case. Thankfully, the two brothers are serving life sentences for attempted murder of the California Highway Patrol officers in California. So I just kind of scratched my head with this one, but anyway. I don't know how that happened, but yeah. California was good for one thing by keeping them behind bars. So, Amen. Yeah. Officer Estefan is uh, survived by his wife, his son, his daughter, and his grandson. And may he uh, rest easy and never be forgotten. Lou, thank you. John, thank you. Both of you stay safe. And uh, my thoughts are with your families as well. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Rich. Thank you. Lou, take it easy, brother. Both of you stay safe out there. You too, guys. You too, brother. We'll talk soon. All right. Then.